While many of us enjoy the convenience of food delivery services, there's just nothing like a home-cooked meal. Good knives are essential for any kitchen. Used to carve big turkey dinners, baguettes, and seemingly endless dicing of vegetables. Think about in just one meal how many times you use a knife to slice, dice, pare, and carve. How many incisions and cuts made to prepare just one meal. In tonight's story, a kitchen knife was used more times in the span of two minutes than I would use in the course of a week. Tyler says, Hey y'all, my name's Tyler. I'm from Missouri and I just found your podcast and started from the first one. You guys add to the Pandora podcast. Absolutely love it. It's the perfect combination of finding info out that you may or may not know about all sorts of cases that no one else dares to speak of and comedy at the same time. Love that. John, like yourself, I'm also a combat vet. I was a 13F. 13F stationed at Fort Drum for 13 my time. Fox. We don't say F. <laughs> oh. I think that's a, a Ford, um, a, a scout. Okay. I think, I think a Ford observer uh, or maybe artillery. I don't, I'm not sure. Don't ask me. I, don't I was know. a 13 Fox stationed at Fort Drum for my time in a couple of deployments to Afghanistan. You and myself, same personalities, much the same LMAO. I find it hilarious that I even have found myself on some occasions, saying the exact same thing at the same time as you said it as reactions. And I can sense the dark humor in you that one of the biggest things that I like um, is it's interesting to hear y'all's thoughts and everything. Um, also, that's not clear. Love the girls, too. Not going to leave y'all out. You're funny. But also, John is my favorite. Uh. You guys keep going on the route you guys are doing. Uh, P.S. I'm currently catching up on all episodes, but haven't looked at the titles um, and I have a suggestion uh, for you guys if there's enough to do an episode on this specific case, Gabby Petito. Uh, some things are still unsolved in it, and I think it would be a very interesting case to hear y'all's take I on. have an update on that, or unless you want to do the case. I don't know anything about it. I don't want to do the case. Um, Brian Laundrie claimed <clears throat> responsibility. I thought he killed notebook. himself. He did. In, oh. in a notebook entry before he died, he claimed responsibility for her murder. Where is my drink? Did I not get a drink? I asked you what you wanted and you did not respond. Oh. Uh, D is uh, giving you some recommendations on more cases. Yes, more from New Mexico um, and uh, is recommending a couple of alien books uh, that I think y'all will be able to bond over. And another welcome to Becca, uh, who is another new Supremo. So we'll do your surprise shot request next week. Becca says, hello, I've been loving your show and finally decided to join. Listening to you guys while working has made my days go by so much faster. And with my ADHD, I get bored going through the same repetitive motions daily. So listening to true crime podcasts keeps my mind engaged and makes the time fly by. Anyway, I live in the Seattle area, but grew up in Spokane, which is on the east side of the state. The same time the Green River Killer was terrorizing prostitutes, we had our own serial killer, Robert Yates, targeting the same. However, I haven't come across a podcast yet that has covered that story. Did we cover Yates? No, Robert... Lee Yates. I haven't covered him. I, I, Yates sounds does sound familiar. Anyway. I think he. I think you're thinking of the guy that was with the Clur Clur Your guest. That is Clur. one of my favorite episodes. Actually, <laughs> I don't remember what episode number that was. It was maybe in the 30s. That was one of my favorite fucking episodes. Hey, real quick. So Tyler, um, the first 20 or so episodes are on the website. We're trying to like 
cleaning up some stuff on the uh on the feed there so there's not a thousand episodes on there so if you can't find an episode they're all on the website uh it that just finishing up becca's note uh i don't know much uh about the gates podcast or uh, uh I don't know much about it as I've only been listening to podcasts since last August. However, I do remember the day he was arrested only because I was a, it was my senior year of high school at the time, sitting in orchestra class when his daughter was pulled out of school once the news broke. Um, I think about her from time to time, but haven't done any research on my own. So I was hoping you guys could do an episode about it. Thanks mm. so, so much. He, she was in class with his daughter? Yeah. Interesting. When he was, pull, when he was arrested. I have updates for celebrity deaths. To oh God! More? Yes. More died? Yes. Oh Yesterday my gosh. we learned that Meatloaf. <gasps> Meatloaf! Oh no! Meatloaf passed away, and all- I would do anything for. How love. old was he? Seventy-four. Wow! Did he die of old age, or I feel like he got died of like heart something? Wasn't he kind of a bigger dude? I don't know, but Louis Anderson also passed away. He's a comedian. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I remember him. I remember him. He was, like, big in the 90s, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. And he was in that show Baskets. Did you guys watch Baskets, Baskets, Baskets with Zach Galifianakis? No. Anyway. But. Those are two more aye, celebrity aye, deaths aye. to We're add to 2022. To, uh, not a great start. Uh, but you know what? Pumps Wolfie says... These recommendations are always fire. Uh, uh, one of my, I have a couple of favorite meatloaf moments and obviously Rocky Horror Picture Show. If you guys. I've actually not seen Rocky Horror Picture Show. I don't show. think you would enjoy it, but I would be no, more than willing to watch it with you. She freaking hate it. And. Uh, We'd have to go see it at one of those movie theaters. Why yeah. The live it? shows because it's yeah. a musical. But my favorite um, meatloaf moment was fun fact. He did play the bus driver in the Spice World movie. And at the point where he says, I'd do anything for those girls, but I won't do that. I didn't realize that that was him. It was. Well, remember the moment that we realized that their their manager was the the, man, the guy from Superstore? Yes. So no, good. he was the director. He yeah. was one of the directors. Get it right, Nikwise. Gosh. Ah. All right. Well, with oh that. God, I did not realize he was the bus driver. He was. Surprise shots. Surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. Is this for Tyler? This is for Tyler. Can I see mine? We got Becca to do for next week. And I do have to, to do we get have through. any of that beer in that fridge? This you know? beer? Yeah. This is the I last one. In that fridge. Oh, you're drinking the last beer and that's nice. No, there's there's other Sam Adams. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah it's just a new not Sam Adams one. Like new? what the uh, flavors? Um, a winter, two winters, and three Boston loggers. You like don't seem pleased by that. No, I thought you were saying like he thought you meant a new, new seasonal flavor. came out or something. Um, no, but I will go to Costco tomorrow and see what they have. Can you go now? <laughs> oh, I guess I'm not wanted on on the episode. Where's Tia when I need her? Right. Man, cheers, guys. Cheers. Vodka. Oh wow! Cherry vodka. That was good, but it was strong. Uh, uh. That was a ninety-nine proof strawberry. Oh, strawberry. That one gave me chills. That one I mean, the flavor was good, but ninety-nine. Like, I mean, I guess they call it ninety-nine proof for a reason. Woo! Uh. All right, I gotta get a beer. Ah, uh, that'll put hair on your chest. <laughs>
It wasn't enough to... <laughs> Let me Whoa, see some of that hair, that. Jim. <laughs> oh, no. It just keeps coming. Shit, I can't get out of my fucking chair. I saw that you were in that chair on your on your Johnny Llama video. Oh, motherfucker. I'm stuck. God damn it. <laughs> oh, God. This thing's in the He actually is. Though. You have to lower it. Lower it first. Yeah, just move that. Thank you. God. Jesus fudge. Can you also grab me a beer, please? All right. We're going to start with some family drama. Family drama, 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 drama. Drama. Drama, llama. You all might know this one. Who watches a lot of Snapped? Out there, Snapped. I think they did a case on this. And that's why it's, I mean, it's, this is a crazy case, but. More of a Dateline girl. <laughs> Dateline girl. <laughs> Shit. 48 hour mystery. 2020. But I just like to nap to them. I'm sorry. It's something <laughs> it's something calming about you know, if, you, something calming about murder, when God you damn sleep. It. Yeah, but if you if you do something right before you fall asleep, that will come into your dreams. You know that, right? No, not usually. I'm telling you it does. John, I have epic dreams every single night. Epic dreams? What I do. Fuck? She does. <laughs> epic dreams. You don't remember like, con- us hearing about this when she did live here? Like, it was like, all right, Jen, what did you dream about last night? This was a common question. Yeah. It's like Jen's conquering the world every night. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what the hell? That's fucked up. <laughs> she falls asleep <laughs> listening to us. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, every once in a while, I'm going to go, bow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I had a a good dream last night. Well, no, I mean, in my dreams, I literally... I've lucid dreamed twice. I remember because I used to, like, practice how to do it. I remember you told me that you were trying to get into that, like... It's, like, better than sex it's the best thing I ever i love dreaming i have i have in in my dreams I'll i think personal i personal offense to that yeah i mean <laughs> yeah, i mean like yeah we are in the same room with your wife like but <laughs> but i i like dreaming because i i don't know if you guys do but i experience all five senses in my dreams and they're very lifelike and i can kind of i do kind of lucid dream but um, yeah, I just and I I've shared this theory before. I know I have that the dream world is somehow connected to a parallel universe. Sorry, it's on my throat. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes I, that's one of the reasons I prefer sleeping to walking waking life because it's just like really cool. All right, guys, let's do this family drama, Mama. I gotta start off by saying drama, Mama. Welcome to Talk Murder to Me. My name is John. I'm here with Jen and Nicole. Tonight, I'm trying to make up for a certain horse case. Oh, actually, fuck. We didn't give away the raffle yet. The no, fuck? But if I win, I'm going to be so happy. We got to give away this raffle, guys. Hold on a second. I'm sorry. Jen has been freaking... Distracting. Distracting the shit out of me. Raffle, raffle. Who wants to, get, who wants to win some money? Owl? Money, 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 money. Money. All right, so let's do the raffle. I think we're up to $50. Are we doing that $50 now, or are we waiting until the 300th episode? I guess we should just do it now. Yeah, I would say wait. Be patient. I mean, there's only literally, I think, 13 people this time. Like, you're bound to fucking win. I'm telling you. And I'm really surprised people haven't won twice yet. That means I have a good chance. How many users is that? 20? There's 20 entries tonight. 20 entries. 
And this is for the $25. We're going to start the $50 on the 300th episode. Did you see that foam bounce? That was that was beautiful. <laughs> Click it because my fingers are tired. Fingers. Oh, what the heck? Uh, what happened? You didn't click choose oh. winners. Here, do it again. The winners for this week, or winner, the winner for this week is... Brandon. 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 Yay, Brandon. Congrats, Brandon. Congrats, Brandon. I think that's a new commenter. That's awesome. He messages me. On, he used to message me. Oh, really? Yeah. We're starting with a 911 call. Is there closed captioning for this call? 911, what's your emergency? You need to get off the radio earlier. What's going on? Who had the knife? Okay, I need to stop. Chagrin Drive. We are going... Yeah, is that how you say it? Chagrin. I don't know. I was saying chagrin because I thought it said chargin, but then... I said, no, it's not that. But it's definitely probably what Nicole said. We are going to Willoughby, Ohio tonight. And I opened up with that 911 call and automat and instantly, you know, this is a dire situation. There is someone screaming her lungs out. Wolfie on live chat said, killed my mom. Did I hear that correctly? Ooh, yes. Good ears. The person in the, the, per, the 911 caller is saying someone which, as you'll hear, is her sister, is stabbing her mother right now. Yikes. My sister and I just told Dr. Bennett, I'm Okay, this is your sister? Yeah, and she's doing my mom with a knife. She's doing what to your mom with a knife? You need to take a deep breath for me so I can understand you. No, I did. You can actually see the the uh, the nine one dispatcher just looking down. Yeah. And what is going on there? I don't know. I just woke up. Look at her eyes. Like she's never heard a uh, call like this before. God, that's terrible, man. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. That was hard to listen to. Yeah, it was also <laughs> very hard to understand. She's yeah. saying, she said, quit, quit, quit. She's stabbing. She walks in. Her sister is stabbing her mother a lot. And throughout the whole call, actually, and we'll get to how many times, but I don't think we've ever covered a case that has as many stab wounds as the mom. Wow, that's endured. a big statement. And as you heard during the whole call, the stabbing was going on. I think you could hear it in the background. It was like boom, 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 boom. That was the the force because the the younger sister is in the room watching her sister, and I'm. I say sister now, but you guys will soon realize it's a foster sister. But they 
treated her as a real sister. So the real sister wakes up. This is 1.15 a.m. She walks into the room after she hears screaming. She walks into her mother's bedroom and she sees her foster sister on top of her mother. And at the, when it started, obviously the mother was trying to fight back and then it just became just a repetitive robot motion, just stabbing. You said foster sister? Yeah, foster sister. The foster sister killed her foster mother. Okay. Let's calm down a little bit, everybody. Calm down. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's a really hard 911 call to hear. Let me see if I can get this Google Earth up right quick. I could definitely never be a 911 dispatcher. Well, I thought you were going to say foster parent when you... When you started that statement, probably that too. But well, I mean, after hearing this case, I don't know, man. I don't think you'd ever want to foster any kid after this case. I don't know. I've thought about it. I think you'd be great at it, Jen. Thank you. You would be great at it. I think I'd be great at it too. You can just leave them like in the car with the windows upright and stuff like that. I don't see the big deal in that stuff. No. Nope. <laughs> When yeah, I was in Afghanistan, take a sip of your beer. When I was in Afghanistan, I saw like kids carrying their baby brothers like over their shoulders, like one leg just slinged over. <laughs> I mean, no, car seats don't exist in those other countries. Here we have to throw away car seats, which is ridiculous. I saw one at the dump today. I'm like, this is a perfectly good car seat. Why are you throwing that away? They do expire. I was thinking about that today, actually. They expire because they want you to buy more. It's bullshit. It's conspiracy. <laughs> Give them plastic bags to play. <laughs> yeah, as long as you poke like a hole in it, they'll be fine. Fuck. So she's like, no, she's like, I take that back. She, you're influencing her too much and you're joking. Tonight we're going to 2518 Char. Is it Chagrin? Chagrin. Chagrin. Isn't, what does that mean? Isn't that like a, oh, a you word. made me very chagrin. Yes. Kind of like pissed off um, or something. I think it's more like, um, and she said it with chagrin or something like disdain yeah. maybe yeah yeah there you go i don't know that word well it's in a lot of you know books and stuff books with big words <laughs> <laughs> i don't think they use that word on netflix a lot <laughs> i've actually been watching hulu more often thank you very much tonight we're going to 2518 chagrin ohio Ohio, where you can buy the best fucking meth in the nation. No. Oh, wait. I'm thinking of something else. <laughs> what? Where? No, Ohio's got a very fucking bad drug problem. <laughs> An opiate problem. So this is where we're going to tonight. 251-18 Chagrin. Now, this is November 16th, 2012. It's a Friday morning. And when I mean morning, I mean wee hours. This is 1.15 in the morning. Friday oh, wow. morning. And... Oh, it's going to let us go right up to the front door here. If you're on live chat and you're a Supremo, I got the Google Earth going. I'll also throw some snippets on YouTube. I have been getting a little better than that. All right. We're going down the dirt road here. This is the house. It's got That's the one with a camper in front of it. Well, I can't really see it. I got a better picture of it. The actual house. But this is it behind that camper. That's it right okay. there. Okay. It's a nice pretty house. Ni yeah, pretty nice house. Beautiful land. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of land. All right, this is the house right here. 2518 Chagrin Drive, November 16th, 2012. 
2012. I was out of the army, and by 1 a.m. in the morning, I was, especially on a Friday, very stoned. I used to have See, one of these. We had something almost in common because I was in college and probably definitely drunk. I used to have one of these evaporators that you put weed in there and it blew up this big plastic bag. It looked like a freaking mini garbage bag. Like and a then, hot air balloon? And it had a nozzle on it and you suck it in. And me and my neighbor, we would just fucking bake it and listen to Neil deGrasse Tyson and talk about black holes and in deep space and Do we need dark to get some marijuana shit. before we go see Neil deGrasse Tyson? That would be fucking February. awesome. I'd like some weed. 2518 Chagrin, Willoughby Hills, Ohio. Nice home. Very nice home. Do you see they got a nice camper there? One story, well, two-story house with a garage on the side. Pretty big mm-hmm. house. It's a nice house, yeah. Yeah. Or at least from the outside, it looks very large. Yes. Although... I don't know how I feel about houses that are not symmetrical. Colored like candy canes or candy? Circus? Circus. You mean like my neighbors? Okay, listen. Going back to the 911 call, like I said, Friday morning, 1 a.m., the sister who is the caller, and there are three girls in the house. There's, well, excuse me, there's four girls, the victim, the mother, right? Mm-hmm. By girls, I mean females, which you're about to see. There's only four females in the house. The victim, which is the mother. There is the killer, which is the foster daughter. There is the biological sister, who is the caller. Mm-hmm. And then there is a three-year-old daughter. Okay. Also in the room. The mother's room, obviously, okay. three-year-old. The, do- the biological daughter wakes up to the mother screaming and... Through that 911 call, I think that was, what, three and a half minutes? I'll put it on talkmore.com, but when you get to the halfway point, about a minute and a half, even up to two minutes, just think when you hear that, or when you did hear it when we played it, that the midway point, the mother is still alive through the call, at least at the midway point. The daughter screams, oh my God! Please stop. And it was a harrowing call. Mm. Harrowing call. And if you want to read this, this is from the clevescene.com. So the Cleveland scene, September 11th, 2013. A three-year-old girl was cowering in her parents' bedroom closet while a panicked 13-year-old was on the phone with a 911 begging to help futilely pleading with her foster sister to stop plunging the knife into her mother. So I'll put this on talkmore.com, but this is the situation here, the foster mother and the foster daughter. So why would a foster daughter kill the mother? I mean, to kill her in this way is, I mean, the more I, I research this case, it's just... I don't know. Let's just get on with it. Well, she may have been a victim of trauma previously, and maybe there was something that triggered her. Or was it drugs? This is about the uh, the house itself. Situated on a one-acre lot between a quiet, dead-end gravel road and a peaceful bend of the shallow Chagrin River sits a charming three-bedroom home in the rural suburb of Willoughby Hills. A small trampoline and a child's wooden play set with string with swings and a small slide 
sit on the edge of the huge front yard parked in the driveway not far from a tiny white and purple bike affixed with training wheels is a new blue Chevy Malibu. I'm going to take you back to the scene right here. Let's go back to the 911 call. Two minutes after the call is ended is when the patrolman, his name is Mullinax. And I'll show you a picture of him. He's got the, the knife, which I'm sure you guys already saw, but I'll show you again the knife. Yeah, it looked like a filleting knife. The officer that arrived was patrolman Mullinax. He runs into the home. And it's just him at first. The door's open. He busts in there. He draws his, his, uh, his weapon, his pistol. He's doing his police procedures just as he was taught. He's in the living room, and he hears this awful screaming. The, the sister had actually ran out the caller, brought him in there. Now, they're in the living room area, and the foster sister is still in the bedroom with the mom, still stabbing away at the mother, who was dead at this point. So the patrolman gets there, draws out his weapon, and he doesn't really know what to expect. Yes, okay, I got the 911 call. There's someone, there's a domestic issue. A, A woman is stabbing the mother or something like that. He's confused. It's dark in the house. It's dark outside. It's only 115. He draws his weapon. He yells, come out, come out of the bedroom with your hands up, you know, whatever the police procedure is. He's shaking. He's got his, the weapon pointed, affixed right at the bedroom door. Still nothing. Whoever's in there, you still hear the stabbing, the that's hitting the bed frame, but no one comes out. He yells again, this time a little bit louder. He looks down at his weapon. He makes sure that the safety is off. As he's taught, he uh, steadies his aim, he yells again, and he is ready to go at this point. It's a miracle that he didn't shoot the foster girl, the one that stabbed the mother, because she came out with a huge knife. The knife is scary to look at usually it's a kitchen knife and uh, this is a kitchen knife but it's some kind of i don't know sushi fillet knife or something we'll get into the murder weapon but it is a large blade she comes out holding that you can't even tell what race this girl is because she is red completely red as we'll get into the emt that was on the scene and i'll i'll give you the exact quote, but when he was trying to, when he was attempting to pump the IV into the vein, he couldn't because the veins were all collapsed, which means there is a lack of blood in the body. Veins stay open because blood pushes through there. If not, it's like a little straw and one of those little rubber straws or whatever, they kind of just deflate. You can't put the IV in there if there's no blood at all. So, That's how much blood came out. A lot of that was on her. So try to imagine her walking out looking like a Stephen King character, Mm -hmm. like Carrie or something, Mm -hmm. you know, walking out of the room, 115, 
The sister is screaming her lungs off. The officer is the only one there. Luckily, he didn't shoot her. Because the police procedure is what? If they got a weapon, you know, and I mean, obviously she wasn't trying to stab him or whatever, but that, that, that intense moment with the energy in the room and stuff like that, you never know what you're going to do. Very harrowing scene to say the least. So a teenage girl walks out. She stumbles out. She's holding a knife. The knife is a quote, 15 inch, nine inch blade convex serrated knife without a hilt nine inch there's a band about that shit nine inch right that's fucking huge man nine, nine inch. inch nails yeah well did you, you know, know so. that yeah but did you know that nine inch nails is just one person trent Reznor. okay you know what would be creepy to think about if he was talking about fingernails nine inch nails <laughs> i think he killed himself I do. I think I, he killed himself a long time ago. Oh, that's sad. I don't know for sure, but... I don't know about that. Um, this is the officer right here telling about the scene. I pulled in the driveway and I saw a young female exit the front door and tell me that I better hurry up, that her sister was stabbing her mother to death. He testified a few days later. He went down the hallway and ordered the attacker to come out with her hands raised. She did. She was bloody from head to toe and sobbing, holding a 12-inch knife she used to kill her foster mom. He secured her and went into the bedroom. The female was laying motionless. There was a really small minor child in the closet that was crying. He said, there was nothing I could do. The female was deceased. The three-year-old daughter was in there, Haley. I don't know how this would affect a three-year-old. I don't know if a three-year-old child would remember any of this. I don't know. What do you guys think on live chat? Do you think a three-year-old will ever remember this? I think I have memories, not maybe like maybe four or five. I've got, you know how you get those one memories that kind of, def you look back and that is kind of your childhood type of thing. Like one of my first memories is when my brother fell off that truck. <laughs> Remember I told you and he was rolling yeah. around and my pawpaw, I'm like banging. You told me, you showed me exactly where it was at Christmas. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this is exactly where my brother fell off is the truck. So we were like, two small kids just thrown in the back of the pickup truck and I'm beating on the glass. I'm like, pow, 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 pow. <laughs> and my brother is tumbling. <laughs> he fell off the truck and he's tumbling <laughs> like a tumbleweed. And my papa just kind of like slowly pulls over. <laughs> what you doing, boy? You can get back in this truck. But I don't know if she'll remember that. Let's say hopefully not. But very, uh, very uh, yeah. horrible because she was in the room and that 911 call you heard, unless the baby was asleep, she's right there. Not only hearing that, but also seeing that. And you better fucking believe some of that blood got over there in on the baby, on the three year old. There's no way it couldn't because like... I know people say this, but literally you never see this in a case where they actually quote blood everywhere, like no blood in the veins in the body anymore. How many courts you got like six courts or something like that. That six courts was all over the room. 
she was still stabbing or whatever she was still stabbing when the officer got there that whole 911 call the mother was dead she's still going just still going what what is that like i mean at that point it's it's more of a job you know yeah it's like what the hell you know i mean what are you stabbing now fucking crazy man this is the knife right here and i'll put this on talkmore.com this is this is a very creepy knife i'm just gonna say look at that thing Mm -mm. oh my look at that blade Look at that blade right there. It's a very large Wh- knife. Okay, let's say it's a kitchen knife. It kind of looks like a kitchen knife. It could be a bread knife. A bread, a bread knife. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Is that? Is, do you think it is for real? A mm-hmm. bread knife. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Look at that! Holy shit! You don't even have to really. You don't even have to really do anything. Look how sharp the freaking point is. And it's yeah. so long. The blade is just, it's literally a fucking mini it's either, samurai sword. It's either like a, it's its serrated. So it's like a bread knife or a carving knife. A fillet knife is not serrated. Serrated means like it has like uh, little like ridges, like a saw. Yeah. Look at that freaking knife. Jesus Christ. That is, that is a knife right there, man. Yeah. That is, that is just overkill. All right, so let's talk about this. Does anyone want to kind of take a gander of why she killed her foster mother? I'm going to say drugs. Um, like I said before, I think maybe she was triggered by something. Sometimes the foster system is, is rough. How long was she with the family for? That's a good question. She was only with the family since 2010, so two years with the foster family. That's longer than some placements, but yeah. she still may have, you know, been set off by something. Wolfie yeah, says that's previous I, abuse. Yeah. yeah. So this is her right here. I'm pretty sure this is before. I mean, I don't think she'd be smiling like that. And she's wearing Wait, makeup. this is the foster child? Yeah, this is a foster child. How old that is she? look like that same picture that you showed. Yeah. Well, well, she's made up here. Yeah, but still, she looks younger there. She looks younger here. No, no the other picture. That's yeah. the same. The same girl. Huh. Her name is Sabrina, like Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Mm-hmm. Zunik, Zunik. So I guess that's what uh, Greek or something. I don't know. Zunik. I don't know. Huh. How old? Yeah. She. That's a good question. When she, when this murder happened, November sixteenth, two thousand and twelve, she was three weeks outside of her eighteenth birthday. So oh. she just turned eighteen. Three weeks go by, and this happened. Now, she's 18. Why is she still in foster care? Because um, she can't provide for herself, and the family was letting her stay there? Yeah, so you could you could reapply, and if the family approves, then you can stay in the in the foster system under their care. Until 21, right? I, I don't know. I don't know. So did was the previous photo... That you had showed of her was that a mug shot from an earlier time? Like was she? Yeah, in the maybe. System? Yeah, maybe. That's a good. Yeah, because like she looks so much older in this picture. But yeah. that does. Well, maybe that's the one after. I don't know. Maybe that's the one after. I don't know, man. Hmm. I don't know. Like, there's no context for these pictures at all. Because the 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 first photo that you sent it looked like it was a you know mug shot. And I was thinking like was she maybe in juvie or something like that before? She's been in the system for okay. a long time. Yeah, she is. All right, let, let me just get on with it. 
So the, the murder victim tonight we're talking about is Lisa Kniefel. The last name spelled the following, K-O-E-N-E-F-E-L, Kniefel. Lisa Kniefel, she and her husband, they foster children. She actually works in the foster care. Uh. So she works in, I know I'm going to fuck this name up. She works as a social worker in the sex abuse department at the Cuyahoga, Cuyahoga, C-U-Y-A-H-O-G-A, Cuyahoga. They said it once, I cannot. She works as a social worker in the sex abuse apartment in the Cuyahoga County Department of Children and Family Services. She's been doing that pretty much her whole life. So this foster, so she fosters children. That's what she does. That's what she's naturally good at. And she's a really, she's really great at her job. Uh, one of her friends, Carol Beese, B-E-S-B-E-E-S-E, says the following, quote, when she had fostered children, she treated them like her own. She made sure she went the extra mile to be a good parent. The thing is, if you listen, re-listen to 911 call, which you, I definitely wouldn't recommend it. A lot of times when the dispatcher asks who is stabbing who, the biological sister refers to her as her sister. They were all sisters in everyone's book. I mean, you foster someone for a few years, they get very close to each other. So they, they, the mother especially didn't want her to feel like she's fostered. She wanted to feel like she's part of the nuclear family, right? A coworker, Mike Bookmilla, says about Lisa's job as a social worker, quote, in that department, they deal with a lot of incest cases. They are continually working to make sure that kids who are involved with incest are always receiving the services and protection they need. She's worked with quite a few kids who were in custody because they were victims and quite a few who were in custody because they were offenders, end quote. She, and he also goes on to say, she specifically was incredibly compassionate. Very fine woman there. And I'll, I'll put the, her photo on talkmore.com. So, what do you guys think so far? Super sad. Mm-hmm. Well, let me talk about let me talk about Sabrina. You know how they say that some people are given every opportunity in life, right? Yeah, like a silver spoon. Yeah, like a silver spoon, and and something happens, and you know, for whatever reason, they get derailed. Well, that does not apply to Sabrina because her life was hell the day she was born. Okay, she was born October 27th, 1994. Now, Sabrina Zunik, we're talking about the foster daughter here. Mm -hmm. She was born October 27th, 1994. Her parents didn't care about her. Her dad, in fact, her biological dad, didn't doesn't even know this happened. Wouldn't care anyway, but he was dead before that. 2012, a few months before, because he overdosed on drugs. So she was born October 27, 1994. Her parents, alcoholics and drug addicts. They have a huge background, huge rap sheets. And at the time, Sabrina's juvie records were sealed. They're still sealed, but the information I'm providing you now was obtained by the Cleveland scene. 
She was a special education student. The offspring. So like when you see a report, a police report that refers to a child as the offspring instead of the child. I don't know. Sounds unnatural. Yeah, it sounds like what the fuck? Very formal. The offspring of 35-year-old Mark Zunick and 40-year-old Susan Edwards. Not married, but they had a few things in common. One and one of the including their drug use blood or like were they related? Oh, Is that oh, what you're going with? No, that's no drug use. No, but I know why she you brought that up because she works in the incest. incest yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. No, they were not related, but what I was trying to go for is they both loved drugs. They were not married. They loved drugs and they loved stealing, scamming, thieving, doing anything for money to get more drugs. That's what they loved. The father actually made his money. I mean, he wasn't employed by anything. He's a meth, opiate addict, drunk, whatever he can get. He made the little money he had by selling hard drugs to 14 and 15-year-olds. That was his job. Sabrina was only 16 months when her father was arrested for domestic violence. That's when he was arrested when she was 16 months. Oh. So before that, you know, that's the first, there was plenty of calls before that, as you'll see, but that's the first time he was actually arrested. So to keep everyone in line, we're talking about Sabrina, the, the killer, her background. We're trying to figure out why she would do this, because as you'll see, the Kniefel family was, was a fresh start to life. She was doing really well once she started living there. She was loved. She she had a future and she had family for the first time in her life. So what what happened here? When she was 16 months old, like I said, her father was arrested for domestic violence. Domestic domestic violence, that argument was over booze. The father started yelling at the mother and quote grabbed her hair and pulled a large amount of hair out of her head, end quote. One neighbor says that, quote, Mark, the father was always drunk and the police were over there a lot. The father was also diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic and he refused to take his medications. So if that passed down to Sabrina, then that's another problem we need to look at. Sabrina also told the police that she doesn't remember anything about that night. She just went into the mother's, her foster mother's bedroom the night of the murder. Sabrina says, Sabrina. Sabrina says she doesn't remember anything about the night of the murder, except that she went into the foster mother's bedroom for some aspirin because she had a headache, and next thing she knows, the police are throwing her on the ground. She claims that she was diagnosed for ADHD, o ODD. I saw ODD. What is that? Oppositional Defiant Disorder. Do you know what that, can you tell us what that is, or... Um, it's when... I thought it was a misspelling. I thought it was supposed to be OCD. No, um, oppositional defiant disorder is when you have, a, uh, typically in children, a child that will not, um, listen, they are, they're very defiant. They may have outbursts, um, and, and you know, typically condone bad behavior or they, they, they just don't listen. They, they want, they, they have a goal that they, they, they just don't respond to parents, or authority. Ah, um, yeah. I was going to ask you, it was like a problem with authority. Yeah. Yeah, I have heard of that before. I just saw it said ODD. I was like, what? Odd? That's weird. 
all right. So, like I said, the father, her biological father, didn't know her, didn't care. He died 2012 before this even happened of a drug overdose. At that point, she was... I mean, she was just like an offspring, exactly what the police report said, the juvie report. To them, to the parents, she didn't exist. Drugs were the only thing that they cared about. And she ended up living with a grandmother for a, a large part of her childhood. She was removed by the state, obviously. The grandmother took her over, but the grandmother being old, elderly, she couldn't, I mean, she just couldn't deal, you know, being by herself dealing with Sabrina and these, these problems, you know, I mean, sadly. So what do you do? The grandmother's last hope you put them in the system. Then she's bounced around, bounced around, bounced around. You know what I'm saying? Some homes are good. Some homes are bad, but I mean, I don't know how foster works, but shouldn't you just have one home if it's going really good? I mean, you shouldn't be moving around like a tour of duty, you know, but she's in home after home. That tells me that a lot of people could not put up with, you know, her, her issues. Wolfie on live chat says, I'm going to need a hug. I'm going to need to hug all my family after this episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's man. This uh, dude. Well, if you don't know this case, this is going to fucking piss you off, man. I'm just saying. Damn it, this case pisses me the fuck off. This is uh, another... This is one of the fights that she witnessed her parents go through. When the cops were there, he was yelling, Leave my house and never come back, and you and your friends can suck my cock. He told police his girlfriend's friends were murderers for hire. Edward said he yelled like that even... Edward said he yelled like that even when sober and his mother, Anna, said he needed to see a doctor about his mental state. So Sabrina had a a terrible childhood, terrible, terrible childhood. And she's being taken care of by Lisa, which is a specialist in not only sexual abuse cases, but incest cases. So to me, and, and this isn't. I can't prove I didn't see this in any of the police records or any of the. Um, public complaints or anything, but I didn't see where Sabrina was abused. But to me, if her name is coming across the desk of Lisa Kanifa, which does that for a living, that type of casework, I feel like there was some sexual abuse in there. Okay, just saying. She even spent time in a specialized school that uh, had a program for quote structured behavior modification, and and the her juvie record says. She was there for a year or so. So they don't even know like her, the dates of her going places. It's like a year or so. That's what the official record says. Like they don't they don't track this. That's how shitty her life was. Like no one gave two fucks about her. So when she finally gets to a family that does and she starts bonding with the sister and the younger daughter, the three-year-olds, I mean, life is completely changing. I know it's not going to be overnight, but before she met the Kniefels, getting kicked out of every school she's been in for fighting, for drugs, for whatever. Now, she's in school with the Kniefels. 
Her grades are improving. They're not A's, but they're C's. Shit, that's better than F's and flunking out and not even having a grade because you don't show up. I mean, they're doing good. She she was a special education student. She never tried, but things are looking up. She actually now has future, has a future and a family, basically, and she has a goal in life. She wants to be a massage therapist. You know, that's what she wants to do. She decided, and she, and she's on track, man. She's on track. So what the fuck happened? Yeah. What the fuck happened? You know, was it just one of those things where things are going so good that you're just not used to it, so you're self-sabotaging? Could be. Um, maybe the maybe she felt as though she was not treated equal to the nuclear children. A hundred and seventy-eight times because you're not treated as a part of the nuclear biological family. Maybe there was a like mental condition because the dad had some issues that went untreated. So she has some father issues. No, like. Uh, the dad, wasn't the dad, didn't she say, like, schizophrenia, or I forget what, what you said, it, the father had history of? Did she have mental disorders that were untreated? If you want to read this, this is going to take the case in a completely new direction, and you guys are going to immediately know why. Um, in the fall of 2012, Zunik began attending South High School. Kevin, the foster father, would usually drive Zunik to school in the morning, a 10-minute drive during which time they would engage oh, in no. sexual activity. Oh, no. See, I told you. I told you when I, as soon as I saw that guy that he was guilty of no, something. No, you did not. I, she did. I said, did. He said it, and you said, that's the grieving father. Yep. A 10-minute drive. Low job and fingering to be, I didn't finish. Oh, no, we're going to get into the sex, sexual oh, stuff okay. they were having. She was jealous of the mother because she was in a sexual relationship or with the father. She- a or ten- she was pissed at her, that her mother would allow that type of abuse to happen. All right, was all right, the mother hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me put this in perspective. Uh, <laughs> you, you're about to yell. A 10-minute drive during which they would engage in sexual activity, which was blowjob and fingering. Fingering. That is like such a high school sort of terminology. But she was in high school. In fact, the sexual activity is when he drove her to South High School every morning. As you'll hear her say out of her own mouth, the routine was pull down his pants and start giving him a blowjob. And then he'll finger me on the way to high school. All right, guys, we're going to stop it here for this episode. On part two, we're going to go deeper into the 178 stab wounds, the autopsy report, and the perverted relationship between foster father and daughter. Thanks for listening, guys. Good night, you lovely, lovely people.